Hello, and thanks for tuning into the Urban Kingdom podcast. Before we get into this episode with Quimane Parsons, I wanted to give you an update on the Urban Educators Collective. We have an event coming up called the Urban Discovery Experience for anyone interested in teaching in an urban setting. It's designed for prospective staff, potential board members, those who wish to support urban education, or those who wish to start urban schools. The Urban Educators Collective has a goal of having 30 schools by 2030. Right now, I think we're at around 11 or 12 schools. Um, And so if you're interested in being a part of that, you can register. You can go to www.uecollective.org forward slash UDE. www.uecollective forward slash UDE. Okay, welcome back to the Urban Kingdom podcast. And today my guest is Kwame Parsons. I first met Kwa at Urban Youth Workers Retreat, which is now called Urban Workers Retreat, about five years ago. We were put in the same icebreaker group, and short of an awkward introduction, we didn't interact much before um, 2021. Since then, Kwa has begun teaching at Times Peace Christian School here in York, which is a part of the Urban Educators Collective, which brings you this podcast today. And when he isn't busy with that, he's investing in his family and friends from all different walks of life. Like Manny in a previous episode, Kwa and I started together on our Urban Workers Retreat board. Registration is now open, and you can register at urbanworkersretreat.com. Born and raised in Philadelphia, PA, and being involved in several ministries at various levels, Kwa offers candid, valuable, and relevant perspective. Thank you, Kwa, for coming on the episode today. Thank you. I feel honored to be part of this. Yeah, and Kwa is um, from Philly, and we won't make any disparaging comments about Philly today. So, Kwa, I want to get right into your story. The format that we kind of follow here in the podcast is that we try to start out with a story, um, and then we'll break into other episodes into maybe more input or more thoughts. Me and Manny got started on Kids Clubs pretty fast into his story. We kind of went with it. Um, But you have as much time here as you want. Here's some of the questions that I ask, Kwa, for the audience to know. Um, what was it like growing up in the city of Philly? Um, I want to hear more about your family culture and, um, yeah, any stories you have from growing up. Um, how did you meet Anabaptists and what were your first impressions? What and who made the most significant impact on you and how? And then the last question I asked here is, did you already come from a religious background? Give us a little idea. What what was God to you growing up and what was the relationship like? Um, I'll let you, let you go. All right, so... Um I grew up in North Philly. Um, my mom and my dad, it was six of us, and um, my oldest brother was, or he still is, mentally retarded. He actually mm-hmm. lives in a home, and I'm the second to the youngest. There's three boys and three girls. So growing up, I mean, we, my mom was the um, block captain, so any cookouts, any block parties, um, any street problem, any problems on the street was coming to her. So we had people in our house all the time. Um, I remember, I think I was like seven years old, and I distinctly remember a homeless person come in, or maybe they wasn't homeless, but they wanted food. And my mom went around to all of our plates and took a little bit off everyone's plates wow. and made up a plate for this um, person. Um, another time, uh, my older older brother um there was a guy in his class who got kicked out of his house he was seventh grade and they got kicked out of his house and my brother snuck him in our house without my mom knowing um i think it was like at least two days and then my mom found out 
and she wanted to go figure out how she could take this um, boy in and um, end up he went with his grandmother or something like that. Um, and so my memories of growing up was playing at the park, um, playing manhunt in the neighborhood, swimming at the public pool, um, going for water ice and ice cream truck, and it was all fun memories and stuff. My mom was known to be the strict lady on the street, too, because, I mean, curfew was curfew. Um, school mattered. Um, we weren't allowed to just sit in front of the TV all day like um, other families were. And we'd get mad. We'd be like, my friend at school can do it. Why we can't do it? Or there were certain songs we weren't allowed to sing because how inappropriate they were. And at the time, we're like, well, our friends sing them, so why can't we? Um... So growing up, my mom was very strict. Um, but we had, I don't ever remember like uh, feeling like she was a bad mom. Um, so when I was 10 years old, yeah, about, no, I was nine years old and my mom decided to start working. All of us were in school and so she had free time. So she started working at a daycare at a church and, um, be through this working at this daycare of the church she became a christian mm. and um we were going to church with her and then leading up to that my cousins um was at our house one tuesday night and was like oh y'all want to go to church with us and i was like well i didn't really want to go because church was never my thing like nothing about church appealed to me um anyway she's like yeah, everybody should go. And the church came. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll take all the kids. And I remember thinking, like, what kind of people just went, like, it was like 10 or 12 of us mm-hmm. just hopped in this minivan. I think it was a minivan. Or maybe it's actually a maxi van, but whatever. We all hopped in this van and went to church. And I remember going inside this building, and it was kind of dingy. And they're like, let's start singing. And they start singing. And I was like, how do you sing without instruments? Mm-hmm. This was the weirdest thing to me. Like, and I remember like just staring at people like, this is weird. And then we went to the basement to have our class, and I'm like, and they're like, you're not allowed to talk. And you're not allowed to do this. And I was just like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why would y'all ever want to come back to this place? Right. Um. And then we left or whatever, and like everybody except for me like had fun. And I'm like, I'm not going back. So years went on, or a couple months went on, and they were all going back. And it was Christmas. Um, it was my 10th birthday, and New Year's, it was a New Year's um, service at my mom's church. And I remember her and my dad telling us after that, um, she, they said, starting from now on, you have to go to church. Like either 6th Street or their church they were going to, which was a Baptist church. And I don't want to go to either. Um, so my sister was like, won't you come to church to um, 6th Street? Because at least they have snack afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, let's well, let's easy. Let's go that one. Um, even though theirs was longer, they had snack afterwards. Um, so we went there for church. Um, and that was, um, it was fine. Like, I just, to- I mean, just tolerate it. Like, anyway, um. It was March of 2000, I forget the year, but it was in March, and my mom got sick with this um, 
real f- bad fever and stuff. And then she was like out for like on the couch for a while. And then she went to the hospital and then she got better. And then the one specific night she went to the hospital and she like she was not feeling well. And she came back and she said that then in the morning she said the hospital just gave her ibuprofen. She was like, I gotta go to a different hospital. She said something is not right. And my oldest my older brother, um, he's the second oldest, was like, Well, can you wait till we all go to school and then go to the hospital? And she's like, Sure, she she'll just wait. And um that morning she didn't well, as we were getting ready, I was up, I was on the third floor. That was my bedroom. That is where my bedroom was. And I remember hearing a bunch of commotion downstairs. So I like finished getting ready, went downstairs. I'm like seeing the ambulance and I'm like, what's going on? And like they're like, Mom mom, you fell down the steps and like they don't know what's wrong. And so the they my grandma came over and my aunt and uncle, my dad went to the hospital. And then I remember my um my um aunt being there and she's like, It's okay, like don't go to school today, like she'll be fine, like they're taking care of her, like you don't have to worry. And I remember like feeling a little uneasy about it, but then I think I got to a place like, Okay, she's fine. Like I just took a deep breath and she's fine. And then I remember my grandma coming in the kitchen or coming in the house and looking at us and just shaking her head and tears falling down her face. And then my uncle was crying and I was like, and my sisters and brothers, I'm like, what is going on? I'm going to take your time. And I just remember my grandma looked at me and just was like, she's gone. And I was like, what? Like, I was still kind of confused. And then all of a sudden it hit me. Like, my mom is dead. Mm -hmm. Like, she's never coming back. And I remember going to my room and slamming the door and, like, yelling at God. And, like, in my heart, I'm like... He's not real. There's no way he will let this happen to a child. Like, um, I remember people from both churches like came and was like, just like talking to us and like, uh, yeah, they just like came to comfort and I was just like, I didn't want to be comforted. Mm-hmm. Like, don't tell me like God is good. Don't like I don't want to hear that. Like that's those that like my ten year old brain. That's like I remember wrestling with that. Like um, I remember even praying that if God, I said to God, if you will bring my mom back, I will do exactly what you want me to do the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I won't argue. I won't anything. Like I won't. And I was just like holding on to this hope, like holding on to this hope. And then I think it was at the funeral where, like, I was like, no, he's not bringing her back. And so then that's when it really started for me, this journey of, like, it's kind of crazy because I was only, like, 10 years old. But the whole journey of Christianity, like, I wrestled, like, is this real? This can't be real. And, like, but, yeah, there's people that were still wanting to invest in my life that say, like, you know, 
I, I think one specific person who she said to me, she's like, I know this is hard. She's like, what you're facing is not easy. And she's like, I know you don't want to believe in God. And she wasn't there to try to convince me. And I think that's what, like, resonated with me. Versus those people that was like, it's going to be okay. And, like, I remember feeling like, it's not, like, you can't say that. You've never been through this. Mm-hmm. Like, don't say it's going to be okay when you never walk through this. Right. Um, and just kind of through that process, we went through grieving, counseling. And actually, I went through the longest. Like, it took me the longest. Um, my brother, he ran away from home because he thought it was his fault. He's like, if I would never told her to stay. So there was a lot of... Um, I mean, our family wrestled a lot with um, feeling guilty, feeling like, what could we have done to change? Like, um, yeah, and different things like that. Um, and so as we moved forward, I my dad, um, he wanted to take care of us, but then there was like, my aunts were like, oh, well, you can't take care of all these kids by yourself. Let us take them and blah, blah, blah. And um, my one aunt took us in and um, it was obvious it was for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just living there was like, it was hell. Um, anytime somebody wanted to do something nice for us, she, it was a problem to her. Mm. Um and so just from the age of, it was about 11, uh, 10 and a half, maybe. It was about June. We moved, June or July, we moved in with her um, till I was about 17. <clears throat> so that, just a quick question. Was there ever a concept of a father figure in your life? Because you didn't, you didn't mention it all, your dad. Um, so my dad was the workaholic he was there, um, but definitely was that provider. Like I'm, I'm the man in the house. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I'm gonna go to work. I'm gonna pay the bills. Like that's kind of how he was. So my mom was definitely more involved than he was. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can keep going. That just it popped in my head that um, Manny had mentioned he didn't. I don't think he ever knew his dad. Um, and I had my dad and I lost him going on six years now, um, before I really became an adult. So I really needed him, you know, in my adult years, especially like, man, I really need my dad. Like, um, but I didn't really want a relationship with him until it was too late. Um, so would you say that you ever had a relationship at all in, in with him or was it more of like that? W- those were the terms, like I had a relationship with him, but only as far as. He was a provider for me. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of confiding there. Um, there was, uh, so there was a relationship. Um, I mean, he went with us to the pool um, if he was off work. Um, he, I remember one year for Christmas, we all got bikes and he put all the bikes together and we all, he went with us on a bike ride. So there was some relationship there. Um, I remember taking interest and um, I wanted to make a cake. Mm-hmm. And my mom is not a baker. And so um, he showed me how. Or, like, I mean, it was a box mix, but yeah. it was still, like, so there was some. The relationship definitely died out after my mom died. Yeah. 
just interesting to hear you mention just a few of probably wasn't very frequent or very often experiences. I look back at my dad and I'm like, we went mini golfing one time. That might have been the only event we did together in a two year span, you know, other than hang out at the house or whatever, or Thanksgiving's like, but I look back now that I have forgiven my dad and I love him. Um, you know, he was fully forgiven before he passed away. I look back fondly on the little moments I did have. Um, so it's interesting to hear the impressions that even just a few of those personal moments leave on a kid when they grow up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. Um, so kind of fast forwarding, I lived in Philly most of my life. We lived in Georgia for about two years. I did not want to move. And then I didn't want to move back to Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really loved living in Georgia. And um, just a couple, like a year or two ago, I told my wife, what if we just move to Georgia? Hmm. Like, actually went to the extreme of, like, finding the house where we used to live in Georgia. Anyway, um, moved back to Philly. And I think when I was about 15 years old, um, I remember being questioned about Christianity from my friends, like from public school. And we all, I remember all discussing, like, we all believe in God. And some people actually would say they believed in a higher power. And I don't believe a specific God, but they believe there was a higher power. And I remember discussing this at church. I was started going back to 6th Street, and I remember discussing this. And um, I was challenged with the thought, like, well, what do you believe? And it wasn't this, like, believe what I believe, but more like, but what, what do you believe um, from certain individuals? And I remember um, Shannon, just, he just took interest in my life. Um, he knew my story, um, and he just took interest. Uh, let's go on a bike ride. He'll just call me up, see how things are doing. Um, he told me, come over anytime. Um and I think, like, I was like, okay, he's cool, whatever, you know. But I think when, like, he's like, yo, you can just chill at my house if you want. Like, we're not going to be there, but you can. I think that's when I'm like, this guy really trusts me. And, like, it's not this, like, oh, here's my project. Hmm. Our school spotlight this episode is Tidings of Peace Christian School. They've been in operation for 28 years in the city of York, Pennsylvania. You can find out more about them at tidingsofpeace.org. They're hoping to start a vocational arm of their school in the next few years. You can learn more about that at tidingsofpeace.org. And of course, Tidings of Peace is a part of the Urban Educators Collective. Find out more about us at www.uecollective.org. Um, and then he invited me to live with them. Um, so let me back up a little bit. Um, we did some one-on-one Bible study, and I love the fact that Shannon was never pushing an agenda. Mm-hmm. If we got through our lesson, or if we got sidetracked, or never even opened the book, he was fine with it. And that was, like, really good for me, for where I was in life. And that's what I think was like, okay... If this is what Maronite's about, then I'll, I'll, I'll be okay with this. So why do you, why don't you think he had, an, like, some people are very structured, right? Like, I mean, most of these 
let's look at kids clubs or any kind of event, there's a schedule, there's a plan. And if a kid would, let's say, require something in a different order or require that kind of grace, they're not likely to get that. So what do you think maybe in Shannon was a, what what can, compelled him to be so loose and patient with you? What, what, do you, what has to exist in the person for them to be that kind of way with somebody? So at this point, Shannon's were living in Philly, had their own house off the Mission Compound at 6th Street, you know, just doing their own thing. So for one, uh, it was at their house, very mm. relaxed atmosphere. It wasn't in like a classroom. It wasn't, mm-hmm. So that made a difference. And I think just instinct, mm. like being okay with saying, you know what, um, we don't have to do things traditionally. And maybe he um, had this desire and just was like, I'm going to go with it, even though like, if it gets, you know, if it gets back to the big Mennonite circle, like, oh, this is how you run Bible study, or this is how you did this, it'd be kind of like looked down on. Mm-hmm. But I think he just went with like, this is what I think is best. Yeah. Because um, even Norma, like, I think even going back to the whole idea of feeling valued, or when I realized like they really invest in my life and care about my life, it's when um, Shannon just let me in his house with his wife. Mm-hmm. Like, not every guy is going to let a teenage boy at their house with their wife or we drove somewhere, you know, to Lancaster County, mm-hmm. you know. It was just, like, stuff like that. Like, it's, it's more, they're valuing me instead of saying, like, oh, here's our checklist. Like, we did this with them. Yep, we did this. It was more like we want to invest. Yeah. So what a couple of things I'm hearing is, one, he didn't do things by the book. You know, like, he was very... Um, he wasn't confined to any system or program, any step-by-step process. He was potentially maybe even learning and working while you were, right, which is common. Mm-hmm. But also I think that there's obviously some kind of of genuine love and a desire to relate to you as a person as opposed to just looking at, you know, this person has a soul and they're going to go to hell and I need to preach the kingdom or whatever. And I think, I would assume... I would assume because it's very common because there are people like this, but they're not, unfortunately, not the norm. That that most mm-hmm. people are confined to a system program or a way of doing things, and they have to learn to work outside of that over time if they ever do. Yeah, I I believe that um, he definitely was learning mm-hmm. along the way because today we talk about it and we like just talk about different things we did and um, places we went and just like. He helped me go, like, we went to the bank and opened up, opened up a, a checkings account for me. Um, we, um, he got, I got my license and he let me drive. Uh, he mm. taught me everything I know about driving. Um, being just part of their families, it was just like, I mean, there definitely was other people along the way as well that had influence. I don't want to neglect that at all. Um, I just look at Shannon and Norma as like, just pouring unconditional love. And then um, they bought a house and they asked me, they said, if you would paint a room, what color would you paint it? And I'm like, burnt orange. That's my favorite color. Interesting, but continue. (laughs) And then, um, I don't know how long later was, they had invited me to come see their house. They were done painting it, ready to move in. Or they might have moved in already. And 
uh, we went upstairs to see the rooms, and the one room was burnt orange. And I was like, wow. There's like, yeah, this is our invitation for you to come live with us. And this is your room. And I'm like, come believe it. And funny thing is that week they had an adoption of one child. And then they picked up another child from the hospital that week. And I moved in all in one week. Wow. And so they didn't pause their life at all they they you were a part of their life genuinely oh, it wasn't yeah. like they had to so well in a few weeks when we're more or a few years when we're more stable or more and more whatever we'll invest in qua they there was a love there that made this so that well you're here now we're here now this is what we want to do mm-hmm. and like they thought I me mean, Nora felt fine asking me hey could you help do the dishes or feed mm-hmm. the baby or change it like well i never changed diapers but you yeah. know just being there keep running to the grocery store and I'm like, I could drive your car by myself. Like, I got my license. They're like, yeah, go ahead. Like, mm-hmm. so just like, move right in and like, here, like, there's work. We need to, you know, this is part of living together. And I think that's just what made it go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was still in school, so I was still going to school, or whatever. But it was just like, um, I was like, Norma, I said just recently when I talk, we were talking about it. She's like. It was another set of hands that could help out with the little ones. Mm-hmm. And so for her, it was more of a benefit than like... So she was actually blessed by it. Yeah. So you weren't necessarily seen as a, just this a ministry or a, a you know something that we do because God wanted me to um, do this and we don't know how we're going to keep loving Qual. We don't know how we're going to keep putting up with him. She saw you as a blessing. Yep. Yeah. And even like um, if I had off from school, I'm like, oh, I'll cook dinner tonight like give you a break or whatever um and i mean i worked too and so um we just were i mean we have fun together though um we didn't necessarily go out to eat or but we would if one of the kids were kind of fussy like oh like let me go for a walk with them or something Mm -hmm. or you know whatever um and we yeah we just did stuff we went to Cape May together. We uh, went out for ice cream and just did like a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts. Just small little things that like all we need is to do these small things and just talk and invest in each other. And like that's what did it for me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was eighteen I realized uh, we. Were, I mean, church was great. We our church was thriving at that time, and I was just loving our church. Um, and I remember getting a paper and it was like, here's some of the problems we see in church. We need to discuss this. And I remember thinking like, what? We got problems in church? Like I never, and like, I think there was a, there was a a couple years where 6th Street was allowed to be 6th Street. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't this like dictatorship over us telling us how to do church. And we were doing church the best we knew how and I feel like we were thriving. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we were thriving, and church was full. Fellowship meal was fun. Um, there was a functioning youth group. Like, there was programs happening, and um, there was stuff outside of programs happening. I remember Bible school. There wasn't much of a schedule throughout the days. Um, it was two weeks of Bible school, and, what, 18, 20 people moved down for two weeks. And there were some days where it was like, Go play with kids. Go hang out with kids. Mm-hmm. Go. And that's all you did. And you could walk outside the door and there's people there. And things were thriving. And 
when I got this, I think I was so confused. I remember going to Shannon like, what's this even about? And he just like shook his head. Like, um, and funny story is backing up when I got baptized at Sixth Street, um, the bishop, the Mid Atlantic bishop, came to me, and gave me this little blue book. And I was like, what's this? And he's like, it's the rule book for Mid-Atlantic. I didn't even know what Mid-Atlantic was. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well, okay, whatever. Anyway, he walked by and, like, gave me this book, leaves, and um, Dan comes by next, who was the pastor of Sixth Street at that time, come by and just takes, takes out my hand and said, don't worry about this. Like, it doesn't benefit you right now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then fast forward to when I was 18 and see these, you know, our churches have issues. And then I refer, oh, like that blue book. He started we're going against stuff in there. And I remember saying right in our meeting, I never read that thing. And people kind of chuckled and laughed. And like, looking back, I realized that that was like very unconventional in a midnight um, mm -hmm. meeting or whatever you want to call it. But I just flat out was like, well, I didn't read it. Like, what's it? Yeah. And so, um, as I was moving forward, like, church, like, and then I moved to Lancaster, and then my eyes opened wide, and, like, I feel like it took me, like, five years to understand it, and I still don't understand it all. Yeah. But I didn't realize all the different denominations and all the different, yeah, I just thought everyone was the same group of people, like, mm -hmm. um, and I remember, like, visiting churches, and I remember going to a, um, Eastern Church, I think it was, and someone and I, I didn't know what it was. I just was going to go visit. I didn't, I saw the name like, well, I'll just try this out. And some of my friends laughed. It was like they would never go to that church. And I'm like, oh, like I don't go want to go back either. Mm -hmm. And um, but it's interesting that like from my perspective, I didn't, I stepped into this like wow. And so like I think when people step into urban settings and they think wow, like there's a lot of like stuff happening in cities that's mm -hmm. how people feel when they step in midnight culture yeah there's just so much to unpack yeah. yeah okay thank you so much for listening to our podcast today Kwame and I will pick up our conversation in a future episode you can find out more about our podcast on almost any platform where podcasts are found if you want to go to our website you can go to uecollective.org forward slash UKP see you in a couple weeks <laughs>